Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Hey, friends, Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and thank you for engaging with us. Now, um, as we do every week, we want to give some free things away. So make sure that if you're watching that you drop a comment or let us know uh, that you are watching and where you're watching from, because we will take that from the comments and we will be giving some free things away, free product. We'd love for you to get in on that. Now, remember, we're able to do this because of the cooperative program. So if you are giving, thank you for giving to the cooperative program. It just maximizes gospel impact in all that we do and everywhere that we go. Also, if you find this um, engaging and beneficial for you, we hope that you will share it because that will also help us maximize just gospel impact in what we're saying and what we're doing and love for you to even share our group with others so they can be on here. Now, what we're talking about is the greatest church health principle that I've ever learned. I call it the watershed principle. Now, you can go back a couple of episodes and, and review that on, you know, on how we got to, to that point of me being on a waterfall at Anna Ruby Falls and just an incredible moment there. But let me tell you what the watershed is. It basically, the watershed principle identifies the six main streams or the six main intentional ministries of the church that need to be healthy for the church to be healthy, right? So those six main streams are balance, reach, teach serve, multiply, and lead. Now, what we're doing today is we're going to focus on that reach layer. And it's the idea of moving from spectating to reaching. And when believers catch that vision for personal evangelism, excitement's going to build. Their confidence is going to grow, which is one of the main reasons people struggle with evangelism with, with outreach is sometimes they lack confidence. But, but when they get involved in this, the excitement is going to build, the confidence is going to grow, and those stories of, of life change are going to flourish. And that's what we want to happen through the Watershed Principle and in your church. Because the goal of the Watershed Principle is life change in your members that lead to world-impacting disciple makers. Now, there's several things that I want you to consider when we talk about uh, being a, a church that is um, in this watershed principle that is a healthy church. And here's what you got. I want you to remember, we must move our people from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. 
You see, too many of our people are coming to large group assembly and they're hearing this great sermon. And uh, the pastor, man, just works all week long with the stress and the preparation. But the average church member does very little before they walk into your worship service. And they also have very little plans of carrying out the message they learned as they leave that worship assembly. We see our church members have to get to a point where their walk with Jesus, um, where they understand that we are all responsible to reach our community, to reach my neighbors with the gospel. You see, it's not just for the paid professional. And we've talked before about how programming can cripple your church when your people are addicted to or they rely too heavily on programs. Uh, think about this concept. I call it the local community neglect. And this is what, what I mean. This, let's say you take one street in your neighborhood and you got 10 houses on it. And two of those houses are believers. Okay. We know that we're responsible to reach our neighborhood, our community with the gospel. But if our people um, are so addicted and so programmed to where they're driving 15, 20, 30 minutes to get to church two or three times a week, then what we're finding is a lot of people have spent all their time driving to and participating in a program at our churches, and they're not ministering in their community. They're not reaching their community. So our people, we've got to learn to move um, the mindset to where we've paid somebody to do that for us and to where everybody understands it is their responsibility. Now, here's a question I have for you. Uh, where do most of the lost people in your community live and are active? I mean, it, is, it, is it at your church? Because I want you to think about this. The majority of lost people in your community, they don't frequent your church. They don't frequent your campus. So when we think about programming, we think about outreach. And if we're relying on a Tuesday visitation to do all of our outreach, or we're relying on that once a year revival to do all of our outreach, or, or a crusade to do all of our, our outreach, we're going to have miserable results long term. We must get off our campus. We must get into that community. Now, does most of the outreach at your church does it require unbelievers to come to your church campus? Now, I want you to consider this. The latest researcher that I saw from LifeWay said that 39% of your community believes the pastor is honest. Now, that's down from 64% in 2001, okay? So what that tells us is that our community doesn't trust the local church anymore, and we've done some things that have hurt that. We've done some things that caused that. Friends, listen to me. Evangelism should not be viewed as an option for the growing disciple of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 is very clear that we are to go and make disciples. That is an active word. That's not a passive. That's not just sitting. That's just, not just coming to a large group face-to-face -face assembly and letting the pastor be the main character and be the celebrity and be in the main the part of the show. And we, we've got to stop assuming that somebody else is going to do evangelism. And then we as believers, church members, have got to be responsible for that mission of reaching our community. Now, here's what typically happened. In the normal Baptist church across Georgia, church members showed up Sunday morning. And they, you know, may have been sleepy, may have been tired, you know, but however they walked in, they came into the, that normal, typical Georgia Baptist church this week. And the pastor had 
cooked up a sermon all week long, man, fired up, excited about, about delivering the word of God. And the church members showed up and did very little to prepare for that. So in the normal Baptist church, really across America, here's what happened. The church member showed up to sniff what the pastor had been cooking all week long. Now, here's my question. How many of you have ever gotten full from sniffing a meal that someone else cooked? It didn't work like that. It doesn't work in life. It doesn't work at your mealtime, and it doesn't work in the local church. You see, the watershed principle is designed to get your people into the word and to gain a heart for personal evangelism and a plan for personal disciple making and not relinquishing that duty to the paid professional or someone else and say, oh, it's just not my gift. That is not an appropriate response. Listen, we're losing the battle for the souls of our men and our women, our boys and our girls. We're losing the battle. I will not sit by and watch mediocre results without trying to do something different than what we've tried to do the last 30, 40 years. A lot of it's working. Let's keep doing that. Some of it's not. Don't be married to anything but your spouse. And I hope that you will join me in being a personal disciple maker, but also establishing disciple-making churches. Now, our consultants, they're in the regions, and that's what they're designed to do. They want to help you in your church look at these six main streams, identify where you're strong, maybe where you're not, and how you can implement change to become a disciple-making church. Now, I want to introduce a, um, a concept or a, a resource for you as well. So Dr. Levi Skipper, our church strengthening strategist, wrote a resource called no sweat evangelism, incredible opportunity. And I want to be careful because you can look at this as a program, another program to dump into the, the abyss of programs you've already got. But if you're looking for a simple tool, and, and what I love about this is that it creates disciples who do evangelism. It's not just about a program. So it's no sweat evangelism. Uh, we'll drop that link to it in the chats. Would love for you to get that. And JJ Washington is now our new evangelism catalyst. And man, this guy's incredible and would love to help in that era as well. All right, Matthew Gibbs, will you jump back on here? I think we have some questions that you have collected from different pastors, leaders, things that we're hearing in the field. Let's work through some questions here. Hey, Scott. Hey, buddy. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of this. And I just want to thank our uh, guys that are watching us online. Uh, appreciate so much uh, the hard work they're doing. I've had a chance to spend quite a bit of time with some pastors around our East Central region. Uh, and a lot of guys are looking and asking some hard questions. So I appreciate yeah. the opportunity just to have this discussion with you. Yeah. Well, kick us off. I think you've got a list of questions there. And, uh, and you being our East Central discipleship consultant, you're getting these questions. You're in the trenches. You're doing the work. You're a local church uh, leader, pastor. So uh, what's your first question on the list here? Well, here's, here's the first one. How do we move a church's mindset from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset? And uh, that's good. really a good question. Uh, and I really like what you said just a few moments ago about uh, moving our people from seeing themselves as a recipient of, yeah. of, 
the church's mission to being uh, responsible for the church's mission. Yeah. And I, I think there's probably a couple of answers, a couple of good answers to that. But the one that's just on my heart as I talk to pastors and, and even yesterday in a, in a group of pastors in one of our regional learning communities, we talked about this specific situation. Uh, and really, it comes down to the idea of your church culture, mm. I think. You know, Peter Drucker coined that phrase, uh, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I, and I know that's true in the business world, but we've grown to see that that's true in our churches as well. And uh, the idea is, uh, the idea behind that is, uh, it really doesn't matter what programs or strategies or even mission statements you have, if your culture doesn't line up with that, it's going to be hard to make that happen. Um, as you know, Scott, our, our regional consultants as a team, we're reading uh, Will Mancini's new book, Future Church, and we've actually talked about that book recently. And I was just thinking about that as we, as we were thinking about this question. And, and one of the things I've kind of gleaned from, from our reading of that book is that, uh, you know, Will Mancini says that a successful church, a church that's actually making disciples will, will not only cast a clear vision for disciple making, you know, that's the strategy part. But then he says this, the church, it'll be a church where the people have a strong sense of purpose for mm -hmm. disciple making. And that's really culture. And yeah. so I know as a, as a consultant here and the other consultants in the, in the regions, uh, we want to do our best to come alongside you and help, you, help provide some tools, some resources, some encouragement, some guidance to help you begin to change that culture and move it towards a disciple-making culture. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I went to Pompeii a few years ago, Matthew, and as I was walking through the streets, I could still see the roads that the uh, Roman Empire had built I mean, this is 2000 years ago, and you can still see the ruts where they had created them so that you could only go through there unless you rented their chariots for those wheels to fit in that rut. Just an incredible process. Man, they had bathhouses with um, heated floors and, and steams, and they had um, um, indoor plumbing. And I, I remember thinking as I watched all of that, and it was just, you know, they were excavating under just, you know, dozens of feet of ash and rock. And I remember thinking they had all of the luxuries of the day, all the tip tricks, all of the, the tools, all of the cool bells and whistles, but they failed to prepare for the future. And what I would say to us who are serving in local churches and, and helping and making disciples is that we need a plan that is going to help us where we are, but we also need it to lay a groundwork for the future. And that culture you're talking about is critical. You know, there is a specific language that, because you, you know that, that language leads culture. So we've got to have a, a language in our church that is led by the pastor that flows through all of our promotional tools and all that we do that lets people know, hey, here's where we're headed, that we are a disciple-making church. Here's the mission, and here's how we're going to go about doing that. Matter of fact, I've been in contact with a, a group about maybe even getting um, some churches together that want to um, um, develop this disciple making plan, strategy, pathway for themselves, and maybe getting together with some of those churches and then helping them develop that strategy and maybe even having seven months of coaching coming out of that. So if you're watching this right now and you're interested in coming to a one day, all day meeting and maybe seven months of coaching 
with a professional to develop a plan like this, listen, drop a comment below. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. It's a, it may be a lot of money, but if you are, we'd love to know who is interested in doing that. Matthew? Yeah, Scott, let me just piggyback on that. I'm kind of in a unique position as a full-time minister of education on staff and also part-time as a consultant. We've actually here at our church gone through that over the past eight years and really seen the culture begin to shift and make some significant changes more towards disciple making culture. So I are one of those people I've been. That's right. And so uh, we'd love to talk with you and see how we can help you. Okay. Here's, yeah. here's the second question to talk about. Uh, you mentioned how many churches have members that just show up to sniff uh, what the pastor has been cooking. And, and the, here's the question. How do we uh, get people out of the pew and into the word uh, where they're interacting with the word of God and growing? Uh, interesting question. I mentioned yesterday I was in a, one of our uh, learning communities with a group of pastors that are wanting to, to really go to the next level in their disciple making. Yeah. And I asked this question to them. I said, okay, because they were telling me about their situation. Some of them are just doing uh, worship services. Some of them are just coming back from online worship. Some of them are just trying to build their small group Sunday school ministry. And I asked this question. I said, okay, give me a percentage, a number how many of your people that show up on Sunday, that is the only Bible intake that they get? Mm. And while I shouldn't have been surprised, the answers were 60, 70, 80 percent. Yeah. Their congregations. And so and they're frustrated. They don't they really want to know how to move their people into a kind of a, a deeper uh, walk with God, more personal time in the word. And so we talked about some things. We talked about the importance of a strong Sunday school or small group ministry. And a lot of the, I know a lot of our churches right now are trying to rebuild that after COVID and those things, but that is, that is so important. Uh, and, and having Bible study is a foundational part, a very high priority in that ministry. It can't just be fellowship oriented. Bible study has got to be a part of that. But if that's where you stop, you fall way short. You know, we, we're in our, in our disciple uh, making discussions here as consultants and, and around the state we're finding that churches that are really establishing a, a smaller group ministry what we call d groups where it's gender specific guys meeting with guys ladies meeting with ladies uh, on a regular basis to come together and talk about what they're learning in their in their personal time with god and and having a bible study and sharing and memorizing scripture together uh, it's really making an impact it's it's slowly changing that culture that's right. Church. And all three of those things are influencing the most important group, which is that smallest group of people who are just you, the word of God and the Lord himself and that personal time alone. And what we find, and, and I think this relates so, so importantly to disciple making, but more than that to our reaching, which is really our subject today, is as I'm engaged with the word of God and I'm growing and learning what it means to be a disciple, evangelism and reaching people should be the natural or maybe even I should say the supernatural overflow out of that. Come on, that's right. And and a number a number of our pastors yesterday in that group were talking about their their challenges, their struggles. They really want to see that happen. Yeah. Well, and Matthew, I would echo what you're saying and and even talk say the same thing I did in the first question about how important the culture is because when we establish a culture in our church cuz here's the way it works. Every church has a culture. It's, it, the point is whether you establish the culture you want and you need 
or you allow an outside force to establish a culture. And then if you, if that's where you are and you're not intentional about setting the culture of being a disciple making church and having a specific language that you're talking and branding consistently all the time, then there's an outside force that will create a culture and you'll be playing catch up the rest of your ministry if that's where you are. So language is important from the pulpit, um, leadership meetings, website, promotional materials, having those leader lunches and coffees where you're constantly talking wins and building culture. It's an every week, everyday process. And what we know is that people will imitate what we celebrate. So we need to celebrate what we want them to imitate as leaders. Here's a second thing I would mention that's closely aligned with that. And I just call it modeling by the pastor, or if you're blessed to have a staff, you've got to model that. I had a great conversation with Patrick Latham uh, at Tabernacle, Tabernacle up in the Northwest region. And, and they're just, they're thinking outside the box. They're doing some things they haven't done before. And uh, man, just an incredible guy and leader and, and conversation. And consumerism, you know, is just is where a lot of our churches are. And, and he's battling that, you know, want to be a disciple-making church. And what I found is, um, is that consumerism produces what I call a silhouette of church health, where, where it has the form of church health, but no substance. You know, so that's why I'm so grateful for guys like Patrick who are willing to be in the pulpit, but lead culture change to establish language to have a, an intentional plan of what we're going to do to move forward. Because here's the deal. None of us ever been here before. So if we try something and it doesn't work, punt, do something else. But sitting back and not doing anything or just keeping doing the same old thing because you don't know what to do cannot be the option. A third thing I would mention, which came from uh, also identifies with something you said, Matthew, is just networking. We've established these learning communities. We're trying to get at least six in every region of the state so that nobody has to drive more than 30, 45 minutes to get to a, one of these gatherings is the idea is that you're going to collect best practices. You're going to have that relational engagement. You're going to have somebody to bounce those crazy ideas off, and you're going to hear things from other people that are going to spur on incredible ideas. So we're going to drop a link here. We want you to get into one of those learning communities. Matthew? All right, two more questions. Try to, we'll try to group those together uh, for the sake of time. Uh, one of the things we're hearing from pastors is just the simple question of, you know, they're having all these challenges with, uh, with figuring out not only how to create that disciple-making culture, but, but have a church that is uh, impassioned and, and senses the urgency as a whole to reach people with the gospel. You know, I, I had the privilege to be a part of the blog we've just dropped that, uh, where we talk about, you know, keeping the flame hot for evangelism in our churches. Yeah. And in my, in my ministry experience, I've been a, a part of a lot of churches that uh, have been strong in evangelism. Uh, and I think probably most of the guys watching this video would agree. You know, we, we've had, as you talked about earlier, those big events, those revivals or those, those big uh, evangelistic pushes. And we, we've used programs and strategies. But if we have to be honest that's not been the majority of our people being involved in that. That's right. And after that's over, the, the, the urgency or the passion wanes a little bit. Now, there's probably a lot of reasons for that, uh, but I'm convinced, and, and this may not be popular with some of the guys that are watching this, especially if you're a pastor, you, you might not like hearing this, but what I think I have seen and what, I, what my personal experience has been 
is I think one of the problems is we have unintentionally divorced reaching people with the gospel from disciple making. True. It's not, it's not that we should emphasize reaching people with the gospel any less, but maybe, as I said earlier, gospel influence, reaching people with the gospel, sharing should be a natural outflow or overflow of our disciple making. Uh, let me say it another way. When I read Matthew 28, it doesn't say go and make converts. It says go and make disciples. And maybe we have made too many converts and really not worked with the backside of the, of the um, Matthew 28, where it says teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded. That's part of that making disciples. And I think we just need to reintroduce those two and get them back in a relationship with one another. Yeah, that's good, Matthew. And it brings to mind a conversation I had with a pastor in Louisiana, small church, bivocational pastor. And I remember him talking about the pressure he felt to, to bring the big show, you know, the pressure to give results because he was getting paid to do a job. And I think it speaks to an issue that we have evolved into in the local church. And I called it the modern learned professional minister, where, where churches have sent guys to seminary and we've, we've got education and we're paying, you know, I don't, most of them aren't making a great salary, but they're, they're making money. So a lot of churches expect that pastor, you know, to, to do a lot of work and to sacrifice and the pastor feels that pressure. So what happens is the over a period of decades now, I think the, the professional pastor has this pressure to do the work rather than being Ephesians 4 equipper where you're doing the work, you're serving, you're ministering, but you're raising up leaders and equipping them to do the work of the church, Ephesians 4. So that's one of the, the struggles. That's one of the dangers that's in the local church. And the other one, Matthew, you, you hit it nail on the head. Man, we are so drawn to the silver bullet program. If you can just implement this program, these six churches around the nations, you know, they grew 450% by doing this program, getting their people involved in this program. And, and for my entire adult life, that's how the churches I've been in have typically done evangelism is getting people into a program, training them to do it. a certain. If you'll just do it a certain way, you'll see results. Man, we're, we're negating the work of the Holy Spirit and the responsibility of the individual believer to just share your story and give the gospel to people. Now, we know that Robbie Gallaty's uh, Disciple Making Task Force from the Southern Baptist Convention, if y'all remember that report in 2018, said that 7.1 million people have been baptized in the Southern Baptist Convention in the last 20 years with zero increase in attendance. 7.1 million baptized in the last 20 years and zero increase in attendance. And what that shows us is that programs aren't bad, they're not evil, but that's not going to get us home. That is not going to win the game for us. And, and Matthew, one thing as we just close this time out is just as we think about, you know, where would a pastor or discipleship leader start? If they're going to try to move their church in this direction, and we see all the problems, but like I say all the time, we got to stop focusing on all the problems and start finding solutions. So what are some things we can do? Let me give you a couple, and then you feel free to chime in if you've got anything additional. Number one, be a personal soul winner. Let it ooze from your veins. Share Jesus early and often. Every time when you wake up in the morning, God, would you give me somebody to share the gospel with? And sometimes we don't know what to do. I think there are three greatest tools that every soul winner, every disciple maker has is the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and your imagination. 
find ways to give people the gospel that is contextual with where you are. Here's the second thing I would say, invest in your community. You know, we look at that LifeWay study we just talked about where 39% of the people believe your pastor is honest. They don't trust us anymore. The, the typical community has lost trust in our churches. And we got to build that back. And one of the big ways we can build back trust is get off your campus and invest in your community. Third thing I would say, Matthew, is that we got to have a balanced plan for our church to reach people with the gospel and to move them towards spiritual maturity. So reach them and disciple them. And the key to that is relationships. We are betting the farm on relationships on this team, and our churches need to bet the farm on a relationship with Jesus, but relationships in the community. And the last thing I would say is this, Matthew, and you jump in if you have other thoughts. Do what you can where you are with what you have. It's like a ripple in a pond. You start the process. You drop the rock in the pond. You share Jesus. You be a personal disciple maker. And then in your church as a pastor or a leader, once you get that group together and you're making disciples, and then you launch that, and then you launch that, then the ripple effects will happen. And over a period of time, you're going to have more disciple makers in your church than you have people that haven't been down that process. And so many people are operating out of an empty well because they've never seen it. They don't know what disciple making is about. They don't know what mod modeling and mentoring looks like. So listen, um, and just again, our discipleship consultants are in the regions to help you with this. So engage with them. Go to our website, gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship, and you can get who is in your region, contact them, or you can always contact me at the building. Matthew, any final thoughts? Well, Scott, I would just say this. I agree with everything you said, and I would probably have said it just about the same way. Yesterday in our conversation with five, in my conversation with five other pastors, that was kind of where we ended our conversations. What do we do next? And that was my response. Start discipling. Yes. Guys. And, and one of the pastors said, you know, I know what you're saying, and I am, I'm fully uh, aware that I need to do that. But the thought that comes to mind as a pastor, how am I going to find time and everything else that I'm doing to do that? And my response was, how can you not afford to do it? If you want to change the culture, That's you have right. to start with you. And he said, you're exactly right. He said, I'm going to do this. We're going to start. And, I, and, and so pastor, uh, leader, discipleship leader, whoever you are, I would say this, easiest thing to do. There's lots of different resources and things. We'll be glad to help you do that. The easiest thing to do is to begin to pray and ask God to lay three, four, five guys on your heart. And then you sit down with them or stop them and say, hey, I want to start doing this. I'm going to start meeting weekly together, uh, praying for one another, encouraging one another, studying the Bible together. Will you join me in doing this? And you will be amazed how many people will say, I have been looking for something like this. That's right. Where you start. And these learning communities, Matthew, are set up so that people who have not been discipled can see what that looks like and can hear stories of those who are doing it. Just an incredible plan. Friends, thank you for engaging with us. Matthew, thank you for dropping the blog, for all you're doing on our team in the um, East Central region, making disciples as our consultant. Uh, Ray Sullivan was our producer today. So Ray, thank you for producing for us. And if you're engaging, make sure again, drop a comment. We want to know where you're watching from because we are going to draw names and give some great free resources out. 
And friends, uh, so again, thanks for engaging with us. And my prayer for you, as it always is, is that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you as we make world-impacting disciple makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship. The number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world-impacting disciple-makers.